Welcome to Kafaro Cast. Today is Q and A day. I'm with my partner in crime, Frank, the Cougar Hunter, Peralta. Hello. And uh, Frank had the great idea to post up a Q and A uh, post on Kafaro Cast Instagram page, and we're just going to go through most of those questions. Um, some we may skip over, uh, mostly because it it just may not be. A good thing to answer those. Um, I'm actually going to pull this up on my computer. When I get my phone too cro- close to the mic, we get some background noise. I think I can do this on my computer. Um, so, Frank. Yo. Yeah, you got you got it up there? I got it up. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And the pot, and I have Instagram up. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'll just, I'll just start it off here. First question, Mike Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, oh, good Lord. You got us there. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? I see what oh, he did there. I see that. Uh, Sly devil. Uh, what state, <laughs> good Lord, what state would you recommend for a guy from Michigan to do his first elk hunt? Do, definitely do Idaho. Definitely Idaho. Yep, I would do Idaho. Reason? Because it's not Colorado? <laughs> yeah, definitely not Colorado. We don't have many elk here, so... I wouldn't. I would go to. I, I would say Idaho. In all seriousness, Idaho, Colorado, then Montana. Sweet. All right. Next. Uh, what bipod am I using for coyote hunting, or what would I recommend? Well, I haven't tried out a whole lot of bipods, uh, but I've used the Harris bipod, the uh, the longest one that they make with this the swivel on it. Um, it's worked well. It's held up for like ten years. I've had it forever. Uh, I know there's a ton of really good bipods and probably better ones out there. I have a evolution bipod, but I don't have the long legs for it yet. So I haven't really tried anything else. I keep hearing good stuff about evolution Atlas javelin or however you, I, got, I think they're javelin. Did Javelina have javelina? Um, all those bipods. Are we having quesadillas tonight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I, there's a ton of good bipods out there. I just, I mean, I've used the, the Harris cause it's lasted forever and, a lot of long range shooter guys can probably chime in and say there's tons better options out there, but the Harris has worked out pretty well for me. Okay, let's see. Uh, TJ Foster, solo hunting with a bull inside of 75 yards and thick timber. How do you continue to call him in closer without him knowing exactly where you are and knowing there isn't an elk there? Um, well, if it's thick timber, um, and, and it, it, there's multiple other people who probably better answer this question than me, but. Um, hunting thick timber when i've encountered uh that exact issue inside of 75 yards if it's a good bull um what like a big bull one of the best things you're going to be able to do depending upon what you've already done is uh just inside a 75 scream on that bugle as loud as you can and piss it off and then don't do anything and uh hope he comes in you know, depending upon a lot of times you get hung up in thick timber, eventually they're going to bark and it's like a challenge bark or a show yourself bark. Um, and you know, you're going to have to bark back. All you can hope for, you know, at that point is, um, you know, he's, he's, he's ir- irritated enough to come in close enough for a shot. Um, you know, raking brush, raking trees at that distance is a good idea. In- anytime inside a 75, uh, if I get one hung up, um, you know, and I've got enough cover, I'll definitely rake a tree, break a tree branch, break stuff. Uh, but just a loud, nasty bugle uh, is generally going to be your best bet. Um, if it's a smaller bull, usually they're dumb enough to come in anyway. 
they may come in slow, um, you know, super quiet. A lot of times, too, if it's thick timber, you're going to be faced with a frontal shot um, when they come in. But, I, I mean, honestly, uh, ask that question to Jason Phelps or Corey Jacobson or uh, Row Hunting Resources. They're going to be better at that than I am. Um, I've always been lucky when it comes to that, being able to sneak an arrow through something. Maybe, you know, my shooting ability is, is uh, covering for my calling ability or I just don't do anything too stupid and they end up coming in anyway. Um, but those are the things I've been able to do bugle real loud, big, nasty, nasty bugle. Um, if they bark, bark back. And a lot of times when you bark back, um, I'll follow that up with just a nasty bugle. Like, Hey, you need to show me who you are. Get over here. Uh, and you just got to hope for the best. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Or, or you could just get out of that thick timber go above timberline and hunt mule deer i mean and that is a very 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 good comment (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny um i'm gonna skip a couple real quick and go to uh this next l question what type of archery elk hunting is more productive in colorado otc units early spot and stock or later in the season ah man I like hunting early. Um, I really like hunting early. Uh, for me, they're still a little bit dumb. They're still usually grouped up. They're still exposing themselves. But I would say you've got a two, three-day window a lot of times in that early hunt before shit goes haywire. And either one, they start getting cowed up, or two, they've been blasted out the universe from uh, from other hunters. And then you usually got to move. Um you know camp or move to stay on them um it's not nearly they still bugle early i mean they bugle a lot but they're generally not going to come in screaming to a bugle um you know for the most part and again i've I've had them come in early um you know like that uh screaming but it doesn't happen very often usually that kicks in seventh tenths twelfths you know time frame where they really start to get aggressive they're not like totally cowed up yet um but that first part of the season, it's not uncommon to see groups of anywhere from 15 to 150 up high feeding still just before, you know, there'll be a little sparring going on. Um, you know, you're going to hear a lot of cow talk, but they haven't quite, they don't have like, like enough test hitting the balls to get real, real aggressive. Um, so I don't know, Frank, what do you think? Uh, well, I'm not much of an elk hunter, so I, I, I see a lot of elk early in the season when, uh, when I'm mule deer hunting, but. Generally, I'm by myself, so I don't even consider killing one way back there by myself. So I'm going to leave that one up to you there. Yeah, killing one eight, seven, five, six, whatever miles in solo, um, I've done it. It's it's not um, recommended for the weak of heart, faint of heart, the weak of leg, uh, legs. Um, you can get yourself in a real shit show in a hurry killing one that far back by yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, all right, let's see here. Uh, Justin Nielsen, what camera does Aaron use? And what camera lens would you set up? What camera slash lens setup would you recommend for a beginner in wildlife photography? Uh, the short version uh, right now, Nikon D850, um, unbelievable camera. Uh, I can't say enough about it. It's, I mean, Frank's seen it's, it does some amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, without going to a whole lot of detail of that, as far as um, you know, in beginners, you have a couple options depending upon what body you get. You know, the lenses are key. Um, lenses last a lifetime, bodies come and go. Um, 
you got a couple options. I would say for backpack hunting, just catching the moment or capturing the moment, um, you want something like a 50 millimeter, a 35 or 50 uh, millimeter for like your walk around lens. Um, and then a wide angle for your landscape slash, you know, kind of camp shots. Um, you know, when I say wide angle, somewhere between, you know, 16, 18, somewhere in there into 24 millimeter uh, is good for landscape. You, you don't, you know, a landscape, you don't need a, a super fast lens. So like if you get like a, a 2.8 is pretty fast. Um, you know, you don't need that. An F4 would probably work when you get into astrophotography, low light and that lower um, that faster lens being able to go to two, eight or even lower can come into play. But the, the generic answer would be, uh, you know, wide angle in a 50 or get something like a 24 to 70, uh, you know, but it, when you start to get in the good glass, that's when it gets expensive. So I would say 24 to 70, uh, or something around that 18 to, you know, they, they're at 18 to 105 or whatever the hell kit lenses are, um, or, or a wide angle in a, in a walk around lens. Gotcha. All right, next, uh, Shane Gunning. Do you guys like private land hunting or do it yourself public land hunting? I'm starting to hate private land hunting, and I've not gotten to do it very much. Uh, mm. The only real private land hunting I've actually done is uh, this recent Eastern Plains mule deer hunt, which the you know has been a little bit problematic just because of. Once they cross, they're in a unit you can't hunt, which I'm not, or not a unit, but a, a, an area you can't hunt, which I'm not used to, which has happened quite a bit. Um, and then up in uh, Alberta, that's uh, um, a bunch of different, you know, farmers or ranchers lands that we're, we're hunting on. Uh, Alberta's a little bit different. Um, bigger areas, not, not really as much of an issue, but by far for me, I like hunting public land. Um, I like being able to go where I want pretty much whenever I want, um, out hike someone else, uh, if needed. Uh, so for me by far public land hunting is, uh, is much better. Yeah. There seems to be a little bit more gratification when you, you do something, do it yourself on public land, you know, that you, you, you did it all yourself. You did all the scouting. You didn't have to rely on anybody else. So that's where a lot of the, the satisfaction comes from, I guess, but I can't um, get no <laughs> satisfaction. <laughs> And I can't sing. All right, you're up next with that one. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, next question, weapon choices, AR versus bolt gun versus shotgun for predator hunting. Um, this is something me and Dan have been kind of screwing around with lately a lot, just kind of seeing what our what our options are and what works well. I'm almost always running an AR, and for whatever reason, Dan's still obsessed with that little 17 fireball bolt gun. Um I like having an AR just because of the quick follow-up shots. If you need them or if you miss a shot and you need to follow it up real quick, you know, you're, you're, you're right on target still, um, with an AR. We've, I've been thinking about either getting like a, setting up one of my ARs with a red dot or getting like a short barreled AR with a red dot. And then as opposed to a shotgun, just kind of going back and forth between that. This year we've called in a lot of coyotes really close, 20, 30 yards and they come blazing in and you, you need to make a fast shot. And, uh, that comes back to the bipod versus um, shooting sticks things. Uh, we had a coyote running right between me and Dan this weekend, 10 yards. Um, well, we were sitting 10 yards away from each other. It ran right in between us, so it was probably like 10 feet from me. And I couldn't swing on it because I had my AR and a bipod with the legs fully extended. So um, that's another thing I'm kind of dealing with or kind of experimenting with. But for me, I'm always taking the AR just about all the time. And it makes you feel tougher. It makes me feel tactic cool. I wear those operator gloves from Cryptech, and it makes me feel like I can hang out with Lance. There was a, uh, 
uh, a movie by uh, God Lord, what was his name? Steven Seagal, and uh, he was going in getting ready to you know bust ass, and one of the guys was down there that was going to try and kill Steven Seagal. He's like, man, should I wear my shoulder sling like this or like this? Because I feel tougher with it like this. I, I mean, you got to go with what you feel tougher with. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see, uh, Mike. Asper 23. I know you like the DOA arrow. Okay, basically, what's there's a new DOA arrow rest from AAE. This year was the first time I used the DOA and I fell in love with it. Um, I'm going to answer two questions at one time with this. They came out with a new one called a Prophecy. The biggest difference is it's more streamlined and the cock for me and the cocking mechanism is pretty badass. I said cock twice, actually. And I said mechanism. <laughs> so the uh, actuating mechanism <laughs> is is much cooler and it's more streamlined. Well, they, um, So if you don't cock it before you shoot, it, when you draw back, it cocks it. No, it no, doesn't. you have to cock it. Oh, good Lord. So that, that's the second part of this. When I first got it, I was shooting uh, a pro drop and the DOA. I fired two arrows into the buckwheat and thought, okay, I better just shoot the DOA all the time. And that never happened again. But if you're not accustomed to it at first, like if you just throw it on, you shoot it a couple times and head out, yeah, you're probably going to screw it up. But if you just, you know, are they cleaning out that side? That sounds like Frank, it. Frank, you want to go halt them from sure. doing that? With you? Um, I would say, uh, you know, once you use it, it's a non-issue. I haven't had, uh, you know, any issue whatsoever with... Um, uh, you know, recocking it, but I've gotten used to shooting it. So I'd say, you know, make sure you shoot it, get used to it, and then it's a non-issue. Um, it's not recommended to shoot a compound off the shelf. No, shit goes downhill fast. Like, yeah, I, I was going to use an analogy, but that one may be crossing the <laughs> crossing a line. Uh, is there a lot of public land to hunt eastern Colorado mule deer with a bow? Not to my knowledge. Um, we have there, some grasslands, but it doesn't. I mean, the gra- from what I've seen, I don't see a whole heck of a lot of mule deer out there. I see a lot. Of mule deer on the private land, so yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you've been doing that this this season, so you would know. Yeah, um, not a whole lot, but there's some. Uh, man, I'm getting overloaded with PMs here too. Um, being in California, how would you guys go about prepping for a late August, early September hot weather mule deer hunt? I mean, you're already in a hot area, um, either getting in shape, as long as you know, you know, animal behavior. Um, I would say, you know, prepping is going to be as much physical as anything. Um, you know, as far as prepping, like what unit to look for and all that, the normal rigmarole, you know, do some footwork, get on forums when you can. Um, you can actually kind of a secret. I get a lot of backpacking forums and look at their photos cause I can sit, tell from those, uh, how it looks. Um, I don't, Frank, you're a bit more of a mule deer hunter than I am. Well, as far as preparation goes, I think a lot of these backpacking trips we do in the in the summer kind of helps me dial in my gear for the for the year but um yeah i mean i I do a lot of just google earth scouting and looking for some hidden basins or some spots where most sane people wouldn't go and then i try to i'll try to scout that i didn't get to scout last year but um you know you look for for the high basins uh something that's secluded away from where other hunters might be and it generally pans out for me yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and we're lucky we live out here. So um, remind me later. Heads up. Just ask for some mule deer photos. I need to send them to them. Um, uh, when would you use a Kafaro meat bag instead of a synthetic game bag? Are they mostly for packing or is there a time they are better than a synthetic for hanging, cooling? No, I would say no, not really. Um, a synthetic, you know, is always going to be better for cooling and, and uh, uh, well, cooling. I mean, the uh, 
if you don't seam seal the, the Kafaru game bags, they're going to drip out the, the seam. Um, you know, it's kind of, I carry both. Sometimes I'll use, you know, one or the other, depending, um, you know, a lot of that material is just super tough. It's versatile that the Kafaru stuff's made from. So some guys will use it anything from, you know, pack or uh, taking out meat or they'll throw their food in, hang it up in a tree, use it as a pillow. Um, but just for straight breathing, um, you know, synthetic bag is going to be the way to go. Yeah. Frank, have you used a German kinetic broadhead? I don't even know what that is. No, that's uh-huh. true. Well, yeah, they're expensive. Not. I can tell you that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Just Aftermarket f- cables and strings. What do you got there? Um, so I'm old school. Um, I was here. I was shooting when uh, uh, Winner's Choice started. So I, I generally use Winner's Choice or Vapor Trail. I mean, having said that, I am so lazy. I have not actually shot many aftermarket strings in the last year or so. I've I've shot factory strings um, on my Hoyt, and I've shot factory strings uh, strings on the Prime. I haven't had any issues with those. I do hear a lot about oh, you know, certain. Um, you know, get rid of those strings that, you know, they're, they're bad. You want to get, you know, brand, whatever. I haven't, I don't know. Um, I haven't had any issues with the prime strings, um, you know, but if you want to get like super, you know, get your flare on, um, you know, you got to have 20 plus pieces of flare. You may need to have multiple colors. That's when you want to go with an aftermarket. If you're trying to get your bling up, what about about a American flag bow? Um, I sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, you're Hispano. What flag is that? Um, oh my God. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm running the Viking flag. Um, I don't know what it is. No, if you want, I mean, if you really, it's what the string materials made out of how they build it, how they serve it. Those are all the important parts. Vapor trail and winner's choice were the ones I always liked the most, but there is a ton of good string makers out there. So, um, probably just Google it. Um, yeah. Corey Miller built me an awesome set of strings for my rival. So triple X, triple X archery, his G strings. I like them. I'll probably keep getting strings from Corey. He's a great dude and Kefaro guy. Court, uh, Tort, where do you buy your spam in bulk? Dude, one of my buddies sent me like a freaking pallet of spam last year for my birthday. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, oh wait, how do you properly field judge a cougar? I tell you what, um, Frank and I both did pretty good. Um, they're both tall. Uh, they're both kind of like what would you call for that? Me, weight forward, heavy. For me, the the first key is it has to have blonde hair. they've got to have good fronts right 65 percent of the score is up front so for me i judge a lot off the fronts (laughs) the fronts and the backs i like the the backs too but i would say the way i judge a cougar or a woman would be much (laughs) like a mule deer because the fronts are a big part of it for me the back not i'm not as much of a backs guy but the fronts i gotta have big fronts like people say you know what do you do with all that i can think a lot of things to do with it so that's how i i i judge a cougar um frank you may have more experience than me speed bag uh use it a speed bag those little punching bag motorboat motorboat (laughs) (laughs) oh man good lord let's see get some good feedback on that um justin stark wants to know what we have planned for next year for hunts define good there's been a lot of negative feedback going on lately um Why why are trees good why, why is the sunset good? Why are boobs good? 
<laughs> Why is Pot's track rear end good? Uh, so Frank and I are going up with uh, Lander to uh, to hunt black bear. I think we're going to have the mountain ops guys going too. Um, I'll be taking a back seat on that one. Just um, I've been up there a bunch. So, I mean, I'll try to shoot something, but Frank will be up first um, uh, for, for whacking bears. I think Lander's got some special stuff in store where we're going to uh, go to some areas that haven't really been hunted in a long time. Uh, which will be cool. Uh, then we'll probably may do a uh, North Idaho uh, bear hunt with Ryan Avery. I don't know if Ryan knows that yet, um, but we, we might. Um, I'm hoping I've got a super good buddy in California that that may draw a bighorn sheep tag that Frank are going to help out in August uh, with that. Um, we're going to do a 14-day backpack trip for um, mule deer, it might be closer to 10, but for mule deer here, I think. Um, and then we're hoping to get landowner tags for another unit in kind of southwestern Colorado for elk, um, hopefully. Then I think we're going to go to north Idaho after that uh, for elk with uh, Ryan Avery, if he'll let us, depending, uh, and Tanya. And then I think we're going to go on a mountain goat hunt with Bart Lancaster um, after that. Uh, that's a that's a maybe. Um, I'm trying, what else am I missing? Oh God, I don't know. Um, probably Alabama or something, some sort of whitetail. Oh, hunt, I'm guessing we are going to Alabama in February um, with the little ginger, uh, Brian Broderick. Brian, if you're listening, I will take care of whatever doe problem you have. Even if I don't get to shoot a buck, um, I'll be dropping bombs on your moms if you tell me to. <laughs> um, that's want some more of that salami, that cheese salami. Good lord. Oh, sweet it's baby like Jesus. That You slap your eyeballs out with your tongue with that. Um, and then I, we might, I don't know if we're going to Montana or not. Uh, what do we, what's in, uh, what else is in October? Alberta. Did you say Alberta? Oh yeah, we're going to Alberta. Um, uh, Lander's trying to get you a tag right now, actually, for, for Alberta. Um, he got me one. Sorry, sir. Um, <laughs> and then they're trying to get to you. just go. Um, yeah, well, you'll go either way. So I know quite a bit. I'm probably forgetting some stuff. We got the big ginger. We may hunt with him, um, out East as well. Uh, what shelter would you run for two guys on a 12 day do it yourself moose hunt in Alaska? Um, are the standard. Okay. That one's first. Uh, I try on any moose hunt. I try to, um, and not just cause we work for Kafaru, uh, on an airstrip, especially, or, or any place where there's wood around, run a sawtooth for two guys so you can dry your crap out. We had several guys buy them last year for sheep, um, hunts on the strip, on the landing strip, as well as moose hunts. And, uh, man they couldn't rave about them enough they they had been sleeping in good um good shelters it's just they didn't have a stove before and it was just a life changer for them um are the standard stays able to be changed out for flatback stays at home or do you have to bring my pack down to the shop nope you can change them at your house you just pull them out put new ones back in super simple uh takes what probably two minutes two minutes just two minutes keep in mind that you can't change the length of the frame so it has to be the same length of stays but you can change the profile um by switching on the stays. Gotcha. This, uh, the Cameron gray, we're going to answer that later on, um, in a more in depth podcast about finding elk scouting, finding mule deer. So we're going to skip that one. Um, plans to release any bags on the 3000 CI inch range this year. That's a secret for me and Frank to know and you to find out, uh, <laughs> Joel, uh, Joel of Thomas, what's your beef with Kuyu? Um, a lot of people have asked that. Uh, 
you know, just because we don't mention them too, too much. Um, and, I mean, it's really not something I want to go into great, uh, you know, depth about. They don't really seem to um, get along with, with me or Kafaru very well, I believe. Um, the last text that got forwarded to me from um, the little man uh, called it uh, our bags uh, or our frames of Colorado shit haulers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the guys that works there called Eastman's and uh, said they'd yank their marketing uh, dollars with them if they didn't pull me as a as a writer. But but in on- honesty, uh, Kuyu makes good clothing. I've never um, wavered from that or I've always said that uh, there's just a difference of uh, maybe opinions or personalities. I don't have a huge beef with, um, you know, Jason Harrison. Uh, we used to talk every day on the phone. Well, not every day, maybe quite a bit on the phone. Wonderful. And uh, dude, you're killing me. I'm going to get hate mail from that comment. Um, he uh you know, the guy's a, a genius in, in marketing. He does real well with that. But, you know, there's certain things where they've given me crap about, which I've fired back. Um, you know, he gave me crap uh, about uh, posing behind a sheep um, that I had guided or, or helped out with um, that uh, somebody used for a sales ad. Um, you know, he kind of he called me. He was like, oh, congratulations on the sheep. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I can't afford that shit. Then he started you know, making fun of the mountain warrior training camp. Is that how all the mountain warriors do? So I started making fun of him for rappelling off a cliff with a longbow in his back and hiring a stunt double to do it. So it all just went downhill from there. Some of it had to do with rock slide, which actually didn't have anything to do with that cliff testing, you know, backpacks. That actually wasn't me, although I got lumped into it. And it just went downhill, just industry stuff. Um, but they make great clothing. Um, after that, you know, personality differences, um, you know, there's a lot, um, a lot of black, bad blood there, but they're doing great as a as a company. They seem to be. I think um, we don't pay too much of attention to them, really. I mean, I don't. Um, we get forwarded some stuff every now and then, but I don't know. For the most part, I, I ignore. It. Do you? Yeah, I don't care about what they say. I mean, we we have a very strong track record, so they yeah. have their opinion. But I don't think any of our frames have snapped in half. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've been in business longer than, um, and this isn't a bragging thing, just straight up numbers. I mean, if you combine Kuyu, Stone Glacier, Exo, uh, Seek Outside, Paradox combined, I think we've been in business longer than all of them combined. So, you know, we just try to do our thing. Um, we try not to sling too much mud. I, I don't get along with Brendan Burns very well. Um, you know, he, he bashes me anytime he can. Um, it'd be great to talk to him in person at the Sheep Show. Um, but I, I truthfully, you know, those guys wish him the best. I'm sure they're doing great and, um, you know, go from there. I guess that's about all I've, I've got on that. Uh, Van Dam, you are a funny man. Um, no need to answer that question. Uh, advice on buying a used bow. The, the, the down and dirty technology has not changed that much in 10 years. Um, so make sure you get fitted correctly. Um, and then just, you know, either whether you buy it from a buddy, archery talk classifieds, just make sure you get one that's fitted correctly for you. Uh, just be prepared when you need help with it. Your archery shop's going to charge you for it. Cause you, you know, you didn't buy a bow from them. It's just kind of, you know, got to pay the tollman. Um, but I just make sure you get one that fits you correctly. That, that was good when it was released and you'll be, you know, you'll be good to go. Um, What's your guys' opinion on uh, Kuyu? All right, I answered that. They make good clothing. Um, 
What's your thoughts on the BC? We just did Dylan McGregor. We just did a podcast on the BC uh, Grizzly Band. So tune in for that. I answered the improvements. My good buddy Jeff Lander, primitive. How penny? How so? Lander has got the same sense of humor that I have. Does he ever send you messages giving you shit? Yeah, every once in a while. Lander's a pretty funny man, and uh, he occasionally um, will mention to me certain people when they run that I haven't killed anything as of late, reposting the same animal over and over and over. And I get screenshots of that, like was just digging through photos and found this one. And he's like, you can't tell me that was deliberate. Come on. Um, How many times can you repost the same photo of an animal before it's too much? I would say three. I, and I try to run like my moose, I think, that I shot with Lander. I think I posted two photos of it. It depends on how artsy, fartsy you are. It depends on, I think, the meaning behind it. So if I post the initial release photo, like, you know, you post a photo of your dead deer, that's one. Okay. Let's <laughs> strike one. The next photo that I post will probably be one like a, not maybe a, a, a straight up grip and grin, but a different angle of the animal. And the third one's usually kind of a pack out type photo or something like that. I think that's all well and good. Um, Frank, your opinion? Yeah, I'm about the same. And I don't, I don't hardly ever repost any of my, any of my stuff. It's uh, it gets a little cheesy after a while. And, uh, the self-promotion thing like Tanner was talking about, it gets a little overwhelming. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And let, now I, we know a guy. I mean, I don't want to mention any names, but it reminds uh, – his name rhymes with Bick shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick's a buddy. Nick uh, Schmidt posted like 75 photos of one of his elk, but he made jokes about it. He was super cool. He was super – and I would have been proud of the elk too. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. He's funny, man. Nick – yeah, Nick is awesome. He, he makes me laugh. Um, favorite sleeping pads for early and late season? Go ahead, Frank. Um, I've been – geez, for the longest time. I can remember I've been using the uh, Neo Air X-Lite um, from Thermarest. I'll even use that into into later season. So, um, I've had I've been kind of curious about the X Therm for colder stuff. But I mean, from now until uh, late spring, I don't do a whole crap ton of, of backpacking in the winter. So, um, you know, that, that X Light kind of carries me through the year pretty pretty solidly. Yeah, and I'm with I use the X Light X Therm, and then I have a new X Ped um, that's good. So, but the X Light and the X Therm have definitely proven themselves. Uh, what eastern states what, or what western states require bow hunters ed i will totally screw that up because i don't know we'll have to come back to that one yeah i don't know that'll take a google search when you're looking for uh an over-the-counter elk tag what are the three main things that you look for well i look for a walmart because that's generally where <laughs> i buy them um for an otc elk tag i mean really there's that's it's kind it's almost too broad of a question um you know, because in Colorado specifically, there's so many elk, uh, you can find them anywhere. So I personally now hunt areas that not only have elk, but also look really cool because um, I take too many photos of sunsets. Uh, and that's a win-win, not to get off subject. If I don't kill anything, I get cool sunset photos. Um, that's a good point. 
Oh, it's something to think about. Um, but yeah, just just do your homework. You know, get on the you know DOW website. Look for harvest statistics. Um, you know, also look at the terrain. That's a big one. If you're not overly in in, in a great shape and you're doing a backpack hunt, kind of check the terrain, things like that. So, and that's something we're going to handle in a totally different podcast. Yeah. When will we open a satellite store? Probably like the thirty second. Or 33rd of November. <laughs> Let's see here. What grain broadheads do you recommend for elk? Um, uh, well, I mean, I, it's not really the great. I shoot 125s because I like a lot of point weight. Really, the total arrow weight is bigger. Um, I think you should be shooting at least 425. Um, and, and the big thing up front is um, it's, it's the insert and the broadhead. So if you want... Um, you know, it's, it's always good, you know, if you want to swap out the aluminum inserts for a, a more durable insert, um, that's not a bad idea. And then shoot a 100-grain broadhead. I would just make sure you got decent point weight. I haven't tried Kudu points. Um, Frank, have you? I haven't tried them. I was going to get some before this uh, Utah hunt. I just I couldn't get them in time. So, yeah, Total honesty, I called him hoping he'd give me a set of three, and he was like... Uh, guy was super cool. He was just like, well, I, I can get you like a, I think it was 15% off. And, um, I have so many other broadheads that work. It was hard for me to, to purchase those at this, that specific time. I, Cause I just didn't need broadheads, even though I wanted to test them. And, and I was going through a divorce. So extra cash wasn't laying around. Yeah. That's funny. Can Kefaru build a Copenhagen holder for my pack? I'm going to say yes. I think we can do it. <laughs> Frank. We probably should. There's a there's a company out there that makes a Kydex one that attaches to Molly Webbing. So finding backcountry, which these guys are super cool. Um, we have called it finding broke back a couple times, but we mean that in all good fun. And their brother, so it doesn't really count. Uh, I'm just kidding. We don't call it that. My third favorite podcast would be uh, Avery Adventures because finding backcountry has not invited me on, um, and Avery Adventures has. Frank, what's your third favorite podcast? I really like Ryan's podcast. Him and Tanya are hilarious, and they got a ton of knowledge. Um, I listen to a few non-hunting podcasts like Joe Rogan and uh, Dr. Ronda Patrick's podcast and Jocko, Jocko's podcast. But um, as far as hunting goes, I really like Ryan's. Yeah, good. And and they haven't invited you on either. Yeah, what the F? Yeah, I like Bo Junkies because I like Greg. He's funny. <laughs> um Best recommendations for cleaning the funk out of your trunk. Uh, actually, the funk and blood stain out of your pack. Um, I don't clean mine, um, in, in all honesty. Uh, but when I've, you know, for buddies, car wash, you know, hose her down with the pressure washer. You can soak it uh, in a bathtub with, um, uh, what is that called? Um, good Lord, what's that? Is it baking powder? Baking soda? Or baking, yeah, baking powder. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn baking soda um i don't i don't wash mine um you know too much occasionally i'll hose it off that's about it yeah i had to uh i had to soak my my reckoning in the bathtub for like a day after i killed that bear here in colorado things smell like shit yeah i yeah i mean i just i just soak mine in the creek usually i don't uh you know just to get some blood out but um yeah if you killed a wolf or a bear or something that stinks really bad you may have put some elbow grease in it yeah um for, uh, so I wouldn't recommend, I don't have any books that I know of for bow tuning because um, I recommend YouTube. Um, Dudley, uh, John Dudley's got great podcasts on, you know, alpha bow hunting. Um, 
there's just YouTube has uh, got endless options, and uh, I just haven't read any books on bow tuning. Um, so you choose left or right bevel between what helical or offset you have. If your bevel does not match up in uh, continuity with your, your offset or your helical, when the arrow hits the animal, it rotates and loosens. So you want it to, to run in continuity with that. So depending upon if you're shooting a left or right offset or left or right helical, um, it needs to run in continuity with that. If it doesn't, it'll unscrew as it hits the animal. So that's how you choose it. What was, so I've always wondered this, why, why is it with trad hunters, they always go with the left helical or left, um, offset, I guess. I think it's cause it's the idea is it spins away from the riser. Oh, okay. Don't, I mean, I also said I put chicken feathers on my fucking arrow, so don't go, <laughs> I think that's what it is, but ask somebody who knows what they're doing. Ask, call Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear, um, ask the clums, and they'll be able to help you out uh, with the left helical, the right helical thing. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, you definitely want, you don't want to offset your um, your 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 bevel to your, to your offset or helical. You don't want it to be um, backwards or it'll unscrew and it's going in the animal. Hmm. Um, how do you manage mosquitoes and other unwanted pests and overland moisture rain snow with the floorless tarp? The overland moisture is a non-issue if it's already wet because I use a piece of Tyvek uh, for a ground cloth. Um, for mosquitoes, uh, there's a couple options. Bug coils. Well, there's a few bug coils, bug spray. And I know guys now packing thermocells in because they're so lightweight. Yeah. Yep. Frank, what do you do? Um well, I mean, generally where we go, it's not really a huge issue with mosquitoes, but um, I would be curious to use a thermocell if, if that was the case. I hear yeah. good stuff about them all over the place. So, yeah. Frank, go ahead and take over. I got to answer a couple text messages. <clears throat> all right. At what point does the amount of suck overwhelm a tut and you wish you had a sawtooth? Um, you did a video about this uh, with Brian um, here in the show. I mean, kind of outlined the differences and mainly, I mean, really what you're looking at is. Uh, is ease of setting up as far as differences go. The tut's a little bit easier than the sawtooth to set up or a little bit quicker, I guess. But as far as like um, w one outweighing the other, the tut is a square bottomed shelter. It, it'll take on more wind, whereas the the sawtooth's a more, it's a, a longer shelter and it's kind of, it tapers down. It's kind of like a teepee tarp hybrid. So it does better in the wind. So really I would, I would say that, you know, if you're going to be in a high wind situation, something above timberline, something like that, you probably want a sawtooth over a tut. Do uh, you agree? Well, a hundred percent. I mean, the, the tut is a three season shelter. In my opinion, uh, you can't put a, it was made to be, to go up fast, uh, to be, you know, lightweight, um, you know, where the sawtooth was made to be, uh, you know, relatively lightweight, but also handle just about any condition. It's got a liner in it. Um, you know, so they're kind of two, a little bit apples and oranges on that. Uh, we get this question just about every day between one of us. And it's like, hey, if you were only hunting in the summer and early fall, get the tut. And when I say hunting, scouting and hunting. Uh, but if you're planning on doing a lot of late season hunts, get the sawtooth. It's a more well-rounded shelter. Gotcha. What's the best way to travel with your gear for an extended backpack hunt if flying? We're going to do a video on that because there's definitely a science behind the system with what goes where in your bow case and your carry-on and your checked bag. We can cover it fairly quickly. Um, Frank, you traveled. What did you learn recently? Well, you definitely want to keep all your expensive stuff with your on your personal bag, whether that be um, camera gear, stuff that you don't want to get crushed or broken, camera gear, 
expensive optics, stuff like that. So I'll, I'll keep that in like an Antero or like an X-ray or one of our smaller EDC bags and keep that with me under the seat. Um, flying with the, with your pack, I, I pack, try to pack the bag as I would if I was hunting and, uh, throw it in one of our big duffels, which I think we're out of now, but we're working on some things to improve those. And then, um, you know, you can pack your extra clothing and stuff like that inside your bow case around your bow and that kind of protect your bow and your arrows and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, basically my overhead check-in bag uh, or overhead carry-on has my spotter, sat phone, uh, GPS, anything like that. My camera gear is in my other carry-on going under the seat, uh, whatever I can fit in that. My bow case has pretty much all my hunting clothing, my bow, my broadheads, my arrows, release, that type of stuff. And then I load up the rest of my gear in my big pack that goes in a duffel. That's the short, short version. Got it. Um, rain gear, what's your favorites, uh, lightweight versus heavyweight breathability versus vents, etc. Um, I haven't hunted in a whole lot of super humid or wet environments like Alaska or British Columbia and stuff like that. So the lightweight stuff generally works out pretty well for me. Um, you would know a lot more on this than I would. Well, go into that a little bit more just because there, I think it's important people understand we don't deal, we deal with altitude problems here in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, we don't have, I mean, it rains here. It's just not. I mean, the last thing I worry about is rain here. I worry about snow. Um, I worry about, you know, uh, freezing my ass off. I worry about having a heart attack because I'm at 12,000 feet. Uh, rain, there's there's always, uh, uh, it's not an end around, but I mean, there's always sun. Um, they're going to dry your crap out. Um, this year we wore the, uh, I wore the Sitka Stormfront in BC, beat the piss out of it. And, uh, you know, it didn't rip, um, which was good. So, uh, you know, as people... Um, depending upon where, where they're going and what they're doing, the, the only thing that's not going to leak ever is Heli Hansen. A, a rubberized uh, type of rain gear is the only thing that's never going to leak, and it's also going to be the most durable. Uh, when you're trying to do a backpack hunt, you're going to want to go with, you know, depending upon where you're at, the lightest, uh, you know, possible, the best bang for the buck, I guess you could say, where you get good breathability, you get decent weight, decent durability. Um, I don't think any, um, you know, one company has it perfected. Um, you know, the first light rain gear is really lightweight, um, decently waterproof, or at least the last set I had. One set I had didn't do as well as others. Um, you know, decent price point. Uh, Sitka is super durable. doesn't breathe quite as well, but there's a hefty price tag. Uh, Odie, which is, um, I think I'm pronouncing it right, probably has some of the best rain gear around. It's event fabric. It's really, really good. It's it's also got a pretty hefty price point. Um, they're kind of a tactical background. So, man, rain gear is so it's subjective. Um, there's so much bullshit when you read online. It's, it just cracks me up about different breathability ratings or whatever when we've tested them and, and have seen they're a lie but since it's been posted uh, it's like it's gospel so I, w- I would go with the um you know depending upon where you're hunting um suck it up if it's somewhere you need super durability and just deal with heavier weight um you know if you're in a place like colorado where a place doesn't rain as much i would go with the lightest um option you can because durability is not generally an issue here um and you don't need it to be like the the most waterproof ever gotcha all right let's see (sighs) Uh, that's funny uh puffy pants what do you recommend you go first um well puffy pants are an interesting topic uh David let me borrow his Western Mountaineering puffing puffy pants this year, and 
the other things are so awesome. They're super lightweight and compact. The only issue I would have with those is durability. They're just, they're built feather light and, um, they're not for walking around in. that's for sure. If you're just going to be sitting around uh, glassing around camp, they'd be awesome. But there's a, there's a ton of puffy pants on the market. Just kind of a trade off between durability and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But, um, I've tried the Cryptek ones. Those were pretty nice. They had a full zip, um, and tried the first light ones, but I really like the, the Western mountaineering just cause I'm only really wearing them while I'm glassing, but I think we might have something soon. Yeah. I mean, the, what we're going to make, um, is basically got a cordura butt and cordura knees. So you can do some stuff in them. You don't have to worry about tearing the, the butt out when you're sitting there glassing. Um, you know, the, the, it's a niche, um, and it's kind of a niche piece of gear because, you know, you don't need it that often, but when you do need it, especially on the late season hunts, I mean, you need them, you know, cause I'll have thermals, pretty thick set of pants over that and then puffy pants over the top. So I don't, uh, I mean, I would go with, if you can try them on what fits, go with, go, uh, you know, if it's not something you're wearing constantly, go with what's on sale. Um, in the case, like when we come out with ours, if you just want straight durability, you're going to want to go with ours. Cause I mean, we're making these not to be the lightest. We're making them to be the best bang for the buck between lightweight, uh, and durability. Got it. Um, can you do a full, full video on uh, bow tuning? That's something that we'll probably do, be doing once we have the podcast room and gear lab set up. Packing heat in Grizz country. What's your recommendation? Man, I'm not in Grizz country enough to uh, to make a comment on that. All right, gotcha. <laughs> uh, Part time hunter. Let's let's say you're in a sticky situation and you have to pick up a chick in the field. What's your pickup line? Uh, is your father a meat burglar? Because it looks like you got a bunch of ham stuff up <laughs> the backside of your dress. <laughs> Frank? Um, I, I believe the beaver. Yeah, is good. your mom a beaver? Because damn, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> or do you come here often? Um, I just got a message from one from Chad Marshall, another one about the Kuyu thing. Um, they make good clothing. Uh, it's the people at the company. Um, would you, yeah, I mean, just reading their stuff isn't, I mean, they've got some new stuff out, uh, that's about Kuyu that's made for more cold weather. I haven't tried it. Um, the, uh, the stuff initially wasn't the warmest clothing in the world. It was super light, but just so nobody pesters me anymore. Um, they make good clothing. Uh, it's just more the actions from some of the people, um, at the company. Um, so if you could stop pestering me about that, that'd be great. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, part-time hunter again. Uh, do you have any items that you take with you that serve no other purpose other than luck? I do. Yeah. My necklace. Grizzly necklace. No, no, um, no. It's a necklace my daughter got me. Um, that arrowhead. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep, that one. Um, for me, one of my buddies back in high school made this that Frank the Tank shirt for me um, as a gift. So it's a, like a Nike Fit shirt. I I wear it just about on all my hunts. Seem I don't know, just kind of something that I feel like could be lucky. Just something mental, probably. Um, <laughs> this one's funny. <clears throat> if Aaron and Frank have a shake weight contest, who goes longest? That's a, t- I think age wise, me. <laughs> I got you with the age. You got some. I've entered some contests. I can switch from my left to my right hand. Oh, damn. Ambidextrous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. What are your thoughts on the AE Western Hunter Stabilizer System? 
Um, and then selecting the correct cam slash draw length when purchasing a prime bow synergy hybrid. So as far as the Western Hunter system, I think that's a great package system. Um, I'm not a fan of the offset bracket. I know some guys are, so I actually upgrade the the bracket for the offset bar. Um, but no, it's it's for the money. It's a damn good system. I mean, it's what we're I'm, I'm running on my bow. Um, uh, Greg told me yesterday, though, I need to, uh, I can't remember what he said. I need to slap you with some act right. Me? So you start shooting. He's sending you a couple of those prophecy rests. Oh, yeah. No, I've wanted to try them. I just haven't had a chance. But, the, um, yeah. Um, I don't want Greg to beat my ass. That'd be pretty quick. I'd have to jump in and help you on that one. <laughs> and then I'd have to jump on your shoulders to hit him in the face. Yeah. He's a big man. He walked in and I'm like, damn, you're way smaller in person. <laughs> just to see what he would say uh, he just laughed um let's see do you full uh yeah we'll do a bow tuning so i got one here i need a three-person shelter for my two boys and i want them to get into backcountry hunting um and then oh well okay i want them to get into backpacking then eventually out hunting with me live in california hunt in idaho what shelter tent do you recommend it just depends if you're not wanting to want wanting to run a stove, uh, something like the uh, the Onion uh, GT3 for for a decent lightweight, uh, decently weighted uh, three season shelter. The the Hilleberg Onion GT3 for one that's a little beefier than Nalo uh, GT3. Um, you know, if you're wanting to run, run a tent, depending upon how old your or a, a teepee, you know, depending on how old your kids are, um, in a stove, you could fit three people in the sawtooth, especially if the kids are smaller. Um, but you know, an eight man's going to be, you know, better. So if, if it's just normal camping, I would get, look at a Hilleberg, um, Onion, I think it's Onion GT3 or Nalo GT3. Got it. Oh, alpha bow hunting. <laughs> I'm a peanut butter guy. Go ahead. Read her off. <laughs> If you start a long stock on a monster muley and the wind is questionable and there's a smaller buck that will most likely pick you off before you get to your shooting spot, do you opt for the peanut butter bar or take the time for the spam sando? <laughs> I'm a peanut butter bar guy. I'll double fit. I'll eat two. I'll make a sand. I'll put a peanut butter bar on a peanut butter bar and jam a peanut butter bar in the middle. What about a piece of spam in there? No. You're not a spam guy. Negative. What about the light sodium spam? Nope. No. Not having it. Dude, you're if, missing out. Well, if I wanted to eat lips and assholes, I'd do when I got home. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's what it's made out of. It's like pig hoofs and shit and noses, man. You know what we need to do is we do do a video. We're going to Google YouTube what's spam made of. It ain't going to be good, man. It ain't going to be good. Triglyceride levels are off the chart. Oh, good Lord. Um, I got nothing. What other packs have you guys used that perform better than you expected? Uh, we are an honest podcast, um, but it is called Kafaru Cast. But <laughs> there's several great ba- other backpacks, um, you know, on the market for for sure. But I, I'm as much as I like to tell the truth, I, I'm trying going to try not to promote other backpack companies since Kafaru sponsors this one. I, I will say that um, you know there is a lot of other great options out on the market right now. I just try them out. But what you want to say is Kafaru's the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is for me. Um, That's funny. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I have not tried out the uh, the Lathrop and Sons Hunter Elites. Um, 
honestly, I, I just, uh, I get pretty good deals on, on footwear now. I need to get a hold of them and see if they'll give me some kind of a bro deal just because I've been asked a good bit about the Hunter Elites because it's kind of like right in line with what I, I normally wear anyway. And I think, Frank, you've been sticking with Salewa, haven't you? Yeah, I'm kind of, for footwear at least, if I find something that works, I have a really hard time trying anything else. So I'm kind of sticking on the Salewa train. Yeah. Let's see. Season rut hunt in Colorado for next year. How important is it to have merino wool over cotton coming from southeast where the logistics of merino wool just doesn't make sense for a guy on a budget over cotton? I just wouldn't wear cotton, wear synthetic. Um, you know, both cotton and synthetic are going to stink anyway. Um, so I would just try to wear some type of synth- synthetic shirt. And if, you know, um, I mean, the thing is, is if you know, go buy an Under Armour T-shirt you can wear around town when you're done with the hunt. Uh, you know, just wear merino. But the problem with um, both synthetic and cotton uh, is it holds bacteria, so it'll stink. It can cause some kind of fungus among us, some some uh, rashing uh, rash. It also, you know, cotton doesn't hold its um, uh, heat retention value or whatever you want to call it. So once it gets wet and you stop, it pretty much your body heat's going to have trouble keeping it warm. It's just going to get cold as hell, and which is good in warm weather, but in cold weather, not not so much. So I, I would do everything you can to buy synthetic or merino. And you can find super good deals on merino if you look hard enough. Yeah, especially this time of year, REI. I mean, you can go get an icebreaker shirt or a smart wheel shirt for almost half price. Oh, yeah, for sure. Even less. Um, yeah, same first light. You know, their stuff's on sale right now, too. Uh, Kafaru packs for four over a week elk hunting recommendations. Um, I mean, really, there isn't that many options depending upon how light you pack. On the smaller side, Mountain Warrior Reckoning, um, DT1 and Argali, Australian Mountain Rock Fulcrum. Um, I mean, really, it's just that's such a blank question. It's a good question. I would just have to know more of your style. Um, you know, to answer that, and I, I would guess Frank would be kind of the, the same. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'll just say I, I'm, I lean more to taking a big bag all the time just because I, so I have room to pack out as much meat as possible. Yeah, I'm kind of a go bigger, go home guy myself. <laughs> uh, this Gallon Swigert uh, saw a story on Instagram. You sent up a prime. Was that the logic? Do you have a logic? I do. I, I'm not going to come on it, comment on it quite yet. I want to. I want to screw around with it more. My, my, I initially, even though I don't like short bows, um, uh, you know, I shot the synergy. Well, I guess I'll just explain this quickly. Last year, I ordered bows from Prime, um, uh, Abro, and they sent the synergy instead of the hybrid. I'm not sure if that was my fault or not. This is just calling you know the rep or whatever. Um, so they sent a hybrid uh, for me, but I'd already started dialing in the Synergy and I was running out of time. So I shot the Synergy at the Big Sky in Montana. Um, I shot it so well, I'm like, hell, I'm going to take it on this goat hunt. Did well on the goat hunt. Kept thinking I was going to switch to a hybrid because I like a longer axle-to-axle bow. And uh, that Synergy just became the killer. That was the one that, you know, I just, I just didn't, it had good mojo. Um, I shot it really well for a short bow. I shot it really well for any bow, so I just stayed with it. I mean, I will probably uh, do kind of the same thing this year coming up. Uh, kind of just lay the Synergy, the Synergy Hybrid, um, you know, down right next to the Logic. And, and Frank has to deal with this all the time and just, you know, drop bombs at 80 and see what I group best with and let the, the best bow win. Gotcha. I haven't even seen the Logic yet. I didn't know you had it. It's a split limb. Interesting. Oh, good Lord. TJ Press says, at what point does one pull out while running? 
<laughs> that's a good question, TJ. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, if you find the right one, you don't have to. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Not really a question, but stay out of the strip clubs. My buddy woke up the next day once with his eyes swelled shut, went to the doctor, and he had a crab in his eye. That's a horrible story. That is a horrible story. Good God. All right. Hunting in Arizona. What uh, Want a nest for a floorless shelter? Is Kafar going to make one? We're working on it. Um, I would say the biggest problem we have now is total growth. Would you put it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're growing at a, at a pretty rapid rate. Um, you know, we're doing well. Um, uh, we don't know. We don't, we don't have, we don't serve any masters. We don't have loans out or, you know what I mean? We, we're self, uh, powered. So with that comes very smart, you know, business decisions and very calculated. And we would like to, and we are going to, uh, come out with, um, you know, bug nets, but we have a few other things we got to tackle and, uh, conquer, so to speak before we, we move on. But at some point we will do those. Got it. And then I think the last one we got here is from Lou, um, getting lost. What's the three, what are the three most important things an Easter hunter should prepare for when hunting out West? Or planning a hunt well, out west. Fitness would be number one. I would I would say um, shooting would be um, man. That's I don't know. I can't. Even, you need to be fit. You need to be able to shoot. You need to have decent field craft. Lean to, learn to read a map. I don't think you'd pick three. Just don't go out there um, half cocked and hope for the best. You know, try to get all your skills up. I think uh, men, having some sort of mental toughness or mental preparedness, not giving up. You know, after the first day and kind of having a goal in mind and doing everything you can to, to get accomplish that goal, whether it be, you know, get an elk or get a deer or whatever. Don't, don't throw in the towel so early. Mm -hmm. Mm. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's see. Uh, talk about hunting in Minnesota, interested in Aaron's take on it. Um, I hunted in, um, Minnesota a decent amount and, uh, it was different, uh, coming from Western hunting. Um, I worked for a glass company out there and, uh, Hunted in uh, the northern, um, or not northern, excuse me, hunted in the north Twin Cities area, um, Anoka, Blaine, Coon Rapids area, and a big deer in there. Um, you know, it's you got to have the, obviously, property and everything else. Uh, I did a lot of musky fishing, I tell you, is what I did. Um, I did a lot of fishing up there as well, but, I mean, my take on it was just totally different than, you know, once I hunted that way and I, you know, looking back, thinking I can see how somebody traveling out west could overpack, could, you know, whatever, have all these ide ideas about elk hunting that are totally, you know, I hate to say it, but totally wrong just because it's a totally different, you know, type of hunting. Gotcha. Um, more questions popped up. First upgrade for your bow, the rest or the sight? Man, it depends on how crappy a rest and sight you have. But if you have totally crappy of both, but um, one is functioning, man, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say without knowing what you got. Yeah. Um, Mike Eastman. <sighs> oh, I'm not going to answer. Ask that one. Um, what's the new pack in some of the recent photos? That is probably still a secret. Um, we are working on a couple of, of things that are going to be coming out soon, but we'll have more info on those soon. Um, insert or outserts and arrows. Do you lose penetration between the two? 
Is shooting more point weight sufficient for FOC increase or must I use a brass insert? Thank you. Hold on. We got to skip back here. What, any <laughs> tips on how you deal with the Fred Flintstone looking Buzz Lightyear Super Guide Lander Primitive uh, that makes fun of my... Uh, I'm not sure what he's asking there. Oh, he's asking for a friend. Uh, how to deal with Jeff Lander. Uh, he has bad knees. So when Lander makes fun of you, you can kick him in the knee. Uh out of the gate. But um, I think the best thing about Lander is he's making fun of you and most people won't even know he's making fun of you. And I would say that's part of the key of his craft. So you got to keep your head on a swivel around Lander. I have found if you just start talking shit from the beginning, it's like a force field. Um, he may just give up. So that's a good way to deal with Lander. Sorry. Next one. Um, the insert and outsert. Do you lose penetration between the two? Uh, an outsert, I guess. I'm not a fan of outserts uh, at this point in time. I don't know about penetration. Really, um, if you're if you're judging it off the little you lose off penetration from an outsert, you're probably in deep shit anyway. Um, I, I would focus, you know, more on consistent arrow flight and uh, consistent uh, shooting and uh, a decent, you know, momentum on your arrow more than the inserts and outserts. I know there's good systems out there for outserts. I just I don't have as much experience with them, and I don't know how much it would even affect uh, penetration. Gotcha. How did how did Aaron get into the outdoor industry? Um, man, where'd you get that one? We're skipping over some. Um, I only skipped out one you've already answered. Well, here, what's what's the new pack and some of the recent photos? We can probably talk about that a little bit. Okay, it's just that little one. Yeah. Um, I think we got her about done. Uh, it won't be on the market for probably a month, maybe more. It's just a little day pack. Um got Nalgene bottle pockets, uh, kind of like a quandary with a zippered top, um, and Nalgene pockets on the side. Frank just used it on a, you know, coyote hunt. Um, I used it on my mule deer hunt. It's just made to be a super sleek, kind of a day pack. Yeah. Cool little pack. It's got, uh, internal stays. Okay. Uh, what is your choice for editing software for audio video, as well as for photography? I'm not going to comment on the audio video, but Lightroom for photography is my favorite. All right. So I'm going to skip over that Kuyu one because you already answered it. Uh, and then now, so it, how did you get into the outdoor industry? Um, I originally maintained, well, so Frank hears Amy talk about this uh, 10 years ago. I didn't have a really a cell phone to speak of. I had no computer, no email, no nothing. And uh, I I uh, just started getting on forums and doing some reviews Um you know, things like that. I'd hunted for quite a bit, but you know, I didn't even have a camera, right? Like I just went out hunting. Like most people start, you know, most people, a lot of people now it seems like start just for maybe to get on social media, but there was no social media at the time. And, uh, I just got on there to the forums to answer questions. Um, one thing led to another. I got a Kafaru pack. Um, I worked with outdoor life some at the same time, but I got a Kafaru pack, uh, started helping out here with designs and marketing, things like that. And one thing led to another and, you know, it's, I've just been blessed with a lot of good opportunities. Um, been a bit of an eye opener once you get into the outdoor industry of how it actually, some of the things work, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just uh, Patrick gave me a, a great opportunity here at Kafaru would be the you know the biggest thing for 
for that. And then, uh, you know, doing a podcast with Brian that took off. I've written, you know, articles for a lot of different hunting magazines, which has gone well, but, um, I couldn't really say exactly how I did other than with, you know, with Kafaro, I just kind of walked in the door to do a review on a pack and Patrick and I came friends and, you know, now he's like a father to me. So. All right. Um, uh, should I wait? Should I get my first Kafaro pack now or wait until some new stuff drops? Man, I don't think that, you know, the new pack thing, um, we introduce new packs off of feedback uh, from current packs we make, but there's not necessarily an upgrade to those packs. It's just a, something different. Um, so I, I would say if we've got one you like now, get it. If we have one, you know, if we, we don't have one you like now, different story. But, um, you know, you can always call and ask and give me your parameters of what you're looking for or Frank. And, and I mean, we're not, we're, we're not dicks about it. If it doesn't hit anything we might be coming out with, then we'll tell you which one to buy we currently have. If it's rubbing up on, you know, something we might come out with, we'll let you know. Gotcha. Um, let's see, do we have anything else? Have you tried any of the Leica cameras for photography? You know, I, I haven't. Um, I've tried out Leica lenses, which are uh, pretty much unbelievable, but I haven't, uh, you know, tried out, um, you know, the Leica, um, any Leica cameras. Uh, pack with a rifle scabbard. We have a scabbard for the the Nomad. We're we're gonna be coming out with soon, but not a rifle scabbard pack. Uh, Everly Stock has the patent on that. Uh, they got her pretty well covered. I'm sure the industry is that patent will be up soon. The industry will be overwhelmed and inundated with with uh, scabbard packs. But as of right now, we just have an attachable scabbard. We're working on to go in the Nomad. All right, man. I think that's it. I think we should do a giveaway. Yeah, we can do a giveaway. You know what we'll do on the giveaway? If you commented on this with a good question, not one that has to do with cougars or something totally uh, <laughs> not applicable, uh, we'll give away a Taito knife. Um, and for you archers out there, we'll give away uh, an AAE arrow rest. Um, we'll just pick from the whoever commented on this with a good comment on this post. Uh, we'll pick out of those names and uh, give away a, a pro drop arrow rest and a uh, Taito knife. Sounds good. All right. Well, we've been going on for uh, whew, over an hour. Mother of Pearl. Frank, do you have any good clean jokes to tell? I don't have any clean jokes. No, you don't, but that's okay. Uh, I would say that um, everybody should go watch the new Star Wars movie. Definitely worth watching. I watched it with uh, Austin Powers. Actually, Austin uh, Gaspari? Gaspard. Gaspard. Yeah, Dr. G. He's the chiropractor and his girlfriend, Macy, uh, and Amy and I went. Definitely worth going. Um, and, uh, and this podcast is also brought to you by Cougar Attractant from Moccasin Joe. Oh, God. <laughs>